It's about that time. For the inside trim. You know that nasty trim. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? Oh, yeah, wrestling fans. We are back. Episode number 33 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. As always, you know me. I'm Brandon Olinger. And joined alongside me today is my favorite co-host, my friend, my confidant, Benjamin Watson. What up, what up, what up? What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, baby. You know, it's good to be back. We missed a week, man. We I felt, did. I was super sad. You know, it was life gets in the way. You know why we missed a week, though? Why? Was because of all the work we had to put in to do that podcast Oh, my Earl. Yeah, that was an awesome. And we still didn't do enough work because Earl owned us Earl on the school. stats. No, you know, he missed McMullen. He missed McMullen. He didn't have no McMullen. <laughs> so I've been thinking about that all week. I'll tell you what, that was an awesome podcast. We talked about it. Um, for anybody that's listening, two weeks ago, we got to do a Top 10 Wrestlers to Never Win an NCAA Title from 1999 to Present podcast. It was with, fun. Yeah, with Earl Smith from um, uh, Division One Wrestling. D1CollegeWrestling.net. Yeah. D1CollegeWrestling.net. Yeah, sorry, Earl. And that was awesome. But it took it, – I mean, I, I spent a lot of time on that. So, yeah, we didn't end up doing one last week. But I'll tell you what, I think that that's okay because um, I think we're going to have a guest on here soon that's, that's going to make up for it. Oh, yeah, we got a guest that's going to be uh, going to be coming on here in just a minute. Um yeah, you know, speaking of Earl, Earl's such a good dude. He's probably one of my favorite dudes that we've gotten to meet through this. Yeah, I like Earl. He is such, like, a wrestling nerd like us. Like, he, like a lot of people out there. But I love wrestling he's nerds. He's a bigger wrestling nerd than me in a good way. Like, when he spouts off stuff and he's like, this guy and this, and I'm like. Well, he had wins over uh, yeah, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, damn, damn Earl. It. Come on, man. Where are you finding all this I'm stuff? I'm just using Google. <laughs> he's got these almanacs. You know that. No, Earl's the man, dude. Earl's I love the it. man. Love it. So what's up, buddy? What's new in your life, man? Hey. Watched a good movie last night. You got to check it out. What is it? Chips. Chips. Remember the old TV show Chips? Yeah. With Poncho? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know they made a movie, right? No, I have no clue about that. It's got Dax Shepard that plays the white cop. Are you serious? And I think Michael Peña or whatever that plays the Hispanic cop. Oh, my God. Dax Shepard. He's a sex addict in the movie. Who, Dax? No, Michael Peña. <laughs> Poncho. He's a sex addict. No joke. Like They've got to stop at public restrooms like three times a day for him to uh, uh, relieve himself. Oh, dear God. When, when did this movie come out? I don't know. I bootlegged it. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch you gotta it. you got to watch it. Maybe I'll watch funny. it with my wife tonight. It's funny. Watch <laughs> it with your wife. I watched it with mine last night. She enjoyed it. That's funny. All right, so let's a uh, little business first. Um, as I said, this is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. It is episode number 33 going strong. Woo! 33 strong, baby. 33. You can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip One. We've got a Facebook page out there that we sometimes try to put stuff on. Ben's actually supposed to be in charge of that. He's very bad at putting stuff out That's there. Terrible. Hey, I'm I'm trying. Um, he's not trying hard enough. Uh, um, yeah, but I'll, find I'll that Facebook page, the Inside Trip. Go out there, like it, communicate with us. Um, if you want to send us an email, you can feel free to do so to the Inside Trip One at gmail.com. We've been getting lots of great emails lately. Um, you know, and, and, and speaking of that last podcast that we did, we. I think we ticked off one of our um, uh, uh, listeners who's a uh, an Iowa fan. I love this girl. Uh, old she, Jenna from Iowa. Yeah, uh, Jenna, yeah. We, she is so knowledgeable I about Iowa what, wrestling. She knows, yeah, she dropped a, 
She dropped she a, was mad. an email about it. She was like, how do you leave Thomas Gilman off? He should be above A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And I'm like... She tried to say that he should have been above Chris Flieger. Oh, yeah. What like, really? He's like, well, here's this, you know... Look, I, Thomas Gilman had a great career, but he had some interesting losses at the NCAA tournament. And he, you know, he didn't start as a freshman, so... Look, he was on Earl's list. Yeah, I don't want to get this. Yeah, he was on Earl's list. Jenna, come on. <laughs> I had to call her out. I'm, I'm gonna call you out. I'm about to drop her uh, Twitter handle out there so people can get on her. But <laughs> you I know won't. she's gonna send I an won't. email just going <laughs> off on us. Anyway, yeah. Um, she's so knowledgeable though, dude. It's really. She's, I think her dad wrestled for Iowa. Yeah. Back with the Brands Bros. But anyway. Um, so as I said, look, if you're listening to this podcast, you know where to find us. In case you stumbled on upon us uh, accidentally, don't stop listening. You may like us. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Don't stop. <laughs> All right. That's enough. But anyway, if you do, if you don't know where to find us, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud. I'm sure there's all other kinds of podcast catchers out there where you can catch us at as well. So Ben alluded to it earlier. We got a guest coming on. We're gonna get him on the line here in just a minute. A lot of you guys may know him. Uh, North Dakota State University assistant coach and former Virginia Tech All American coach Gerard Garnett. Gerard, Gerard Garnett in my opinion, is one of the true good guys in wrestling. Um, kind enough to, he's going to come on and do this interview with us. I was fortunate enough to meet him out at the World Team Trials. Um, extremely, extremely passionate about coaching, about what's going on at North Dakota State, and I knew right away we'd got to get him on to talk about it. So yeah. hope this interview goes well. Yeah, and I'm going to ask him about Fargo and what's going on out there. About Fargo? About the whole Fargo issue. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get him on the line for you guys in just a second. And I hope you enjoy it. All right, guys, joining us today is North Dakota State University assistant coach Gerard Garnett. Coach Garnett, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, well, since we spent that time together out at the World Team Trials, um, we've been excited to have you on. Looking forward to talking some wrestling um, about your career. We want to hear all about North Dakota State, what's going on with them. Um, so you just got back from Fargo, right? Uh, technically. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. You getting just back, got back. From... Getting, back get, <laughs> getting back from Fargo for me is, uh, is, is down the street five minutes away. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm so, I guess I should have rephrased it. I'm so accustomed to calling the tournament that's in Fargo, Fargo, like everybody else is. So how was your time out there at the tournament? It was good. It was good. We uh, we had a great time getting out. To, it, it's always nice getting to develop some relationships with the, uh, the national team coaches and the tournament directors uh, that, that come out. And, um, it, it's, it's quite the event, man. Uh, it's, it's draining. It's mentally challenging for coaches, but, uh, you know, we get the job done at the end of the day, so that's all that matters. So I got to ask you, how heartbreaking was it for Mets to lose that Greco title on that correct throw call? Oh man, it was uh, Mets is a super competitive guy, and so I knew as as soon as I saw him pop up and he saw what happened, uh, he was he was pretty fired up and disappointed in himself. Um, and it's it's hard for us because we're not we're not coaching him yet. Right. Um, we have the capability to be able to coach him if we want to, uh, being coaches for Team North Dakota. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, we had our NDSU stuff on and so we're in the background and we're going nuts and we're just screaming, throw the challenge block. I mean, that's all you can do at that point. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm watching, I'm watching the time more so than I'm watching the correct throw. Cause I'm in my mind, I'm thinking they're certainly going to call a correct throw. 
even when they look at the the replay, right? I was like, that's going to stand for sure. I said the only chance that we have really is just to uh, to hope that time ran out be- before the correct throw was finished. And sure enough, when I, as I'm watching the replay, it, he literally hit his hip hits the mat. Doesn't expose, but he 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 does have a correct throw and. It's literally as it ticks down from one second to zero, he hits. I'm like, ah, oh. and it was just, it was, uh, you, you want it for him so bad because we know how hard he works and he trains with our club and, and, and with our guys. And, um, you know, like I said, he's super competitive. So that, that, that got to him, especially losing to that kid for the second time in a row. Uh, did, did, uh, did Mets finish runner up as in freestyle as well? He did. Yeah. Okay. He did. He lost to uh, Cassiope close in uh, in uh, freestyle as well That's in right. finals. Because Cassiope got the triple count this year, didn't he? Yep. Sure yeah. did. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but but Mets is actually. I mean, he's one of the biggest recruits for you guys in a while, right? He's a pretty big recruit. Oh yeah, Mets is a. Um, I believe on the uh, the senior big board, he was like um, top forty or top fifty. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the two, but. Um, yeah, he's, he's certainly one of the biggest, um, in, in quite some time. Well, good luck to him going forward in his, uh, future career at North Dakota state. I think, uh, from what I've seen from watching him wrestle at the, uh, junior trials. And then this week in the matches I saw I think he's going to be pretty successful. Absolutely. So we got a lot of different directions that we can go here, man. I told you earlier, you know, we wanted to keep this pretty casual, um, I know yep. Ben and I, we love talking to athletes and former athletes about their respective careers and, uh, you know, and just doing some, some very basic research on you. I mean, obviously you had an, you had a pretty successful, a pretty stellar career to be truthfully honest, in my opinion. Um, so if you don't mind, let's just go ahead and get into some of that for a bit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You were a four year starter at Virginia tech, um, three time ACC yep. champ, four time finalist, 126 and 29 career record. And your senior year, you finally got that elusive All-American finish when you took sixth at the Nationals, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's, it was, it, it, you know, to the naked eye, it's, it's a successful career. It's a good career. A lot, a lot of people mention, mention that type of stuff to me. You know, it, it, it wasn't what I wanted because I know, um, and, and we're probably going to get into this a little bit later, but there was a, a defining moment, I think, in my career that happened uh, the third week in March, my sophomore year. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was a great time for me. Uh, my time down in Blacksburg, it was a kind of, uh, a unique way that I got there. I was actually dead set on going to Hofstra at the time. And this was back in, Oh, let me see. 2007. I want to say, um, back when Hofstra had a pretty loaded team, I think they were coming off a, a top seven finish at, uh, at nationals. Um, you know, and they had some studs in the lineup and I had, I was pretty dead set on going there and, and Virginia Tech had, had come in late at the time after I had, uh, uh, one junior nationals. Um, and, uh, they called me and, and so I decided to go down there and the moment I went down there, it changed everything. I was like, well, okay, this is the place, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, uh, you know, wrestling for, for dresser and, and coach Roby and, um, Nate Yetzer was still there at the time. Um, you know, back when I committed, uh, you know, and, and they helped me a lot and they helped me grow and mature. And I had to, you know, a big thing for me was, uh, they didn't really have the luxury at the time of redshirting a lot of the freshmen. So, you know, when guys like Jesse Dong, who's a Westerville North kid from Ohio, yep. um, Pete Yates from Georgia and myself were there, there are three big guys coming in. 
and all of us wrestled our true freshman years and, and didn't get to redshirt. So speak- but that, that helped us. Go ahead. No, I, no, I was just going to say, speaking of kind of the whole uh, process, uh, you said you were looking at Hofstra first. Were you looking at any other schools at that time when you were coming out of high school? It was Old Dominion, Maryland, Hofstra, and Nebraska at the time. Um, and Nebraska was kind of that one um, uh, school that was a little bit outside of my comfort zone as, as you know, how far it was away. Um, you know, but I guess in hindsight, not necessarily out of the comfort zone. It was, I guess, whatever whatever place really fits your, your mold and what you're looking for is good for you. But, um, yeah, it was, it was those four schools at the time. And then uh, uh, Virginia Tech was that fifth one that came in late there. So you were from – you wrestled in Delaware in high school, right? Yep. Okay. Were you recruited pretty heavily? I mean, obviously Delaware is uh, not a huge wrestling state. Right. I would, I would say I was recruited heavily by Old Dominion and Maryland at first. Um, with Hofstra, it was, it was funny. I really wanted to go there, uh, just researching the program, and obviously it's close by me. Um, you know, and I sent – uh Dubuque an email and he gets back to me right away and he's like oh my gosh he goes you might have just saved my job he goes thanks goodness you got back to me because we've been trying to track down your information for a long time and uh haven't been able to get a hold of it uh so apparently they had been trying to recruit me for a while um and and weren't able to get a hold of uh uh all my information and my contact stuff and so that was kind of funny when he sent me back that email and I read it I was like well this is different <laughs> you know, so, um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was recruited heavily. I mean, it, it depends on how you determine heavily. I mean, I look at it, the recruiting landscape now, and these kids have like top 10 schools list, you right. know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I was, I would say I was recruited heavily by three programs. Um, and the other two were kind of just ones that I was looking at and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, maybe, lightly recruited by those programs, but yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny to think, you you know, you say that you weren't heavily, heavily recruited, but you did, you wrestled as a true freshman. You didn't redshirt that year. And I mean, you came out with a bang your freshman year. You were, Mm -hmm. you know, an ACC finalist. Um, I think you went two and two at nationals. You beat so many good guys throughout Mm -hmm. the season. I mean, what, what was the big thing for you that, that allowed you to have immediate success? to be honest for me, it was, you know, I think when I look back at it, I think I was like 55 or something like that overall in that class. But for me, it was just, I came in, no one really knew who I was and I didn't know who anyone else was. And I just, I just went out and wrestled. It's funny how, you know, your, your mindset almost changes. The more you start to pay attention to, you know, names or, and and rankings are a big thing now. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know who anyone was and I really didn't care to be honest. There was kids that I wrestled that were really good that I didn't know were really good. And so I went out with no hesitations and it was just that kind of just wrestle how you wrestle and go out there and throw it out there, you know, and, and that's kind of the approach that I took. And I think I found success because of that, because I had a skill set that no one really probably started paying attention to uh, from a, from a scouting standpoint, probably until the end of the season. Um, you know, after I had already had some success um, and knocked off some names and, and did well at Vegas and Midlands and yeah, stuff like that, yeah. you know. So um, for, for me, it was just, I guess I say lack of knowledge as far as who everyone else was. 
for my own benefit here, since you said Midlands, how many times did you win Midlands? Was it was it once or or more than once? I I won Midlands one time, so I got six, six, two, two, and one were my five placements at Midlands. Nice, that's pretty successful. Didn't you uh, beat Delgado one time at Midlands? I did. Yeah, I did. That's a big win. Twice actually. And didn't you back also wrestle? Years, I beat him in. Oh, go ahead. I said I was. I, I actually beat him back to back years. One year in the quarters. Um, one of the years I made the finals and then the other year I wrestled him in the finals, um, and beat him there. And you also wrestled as a postgrad at Midlands, didn't you at least once? I did. I wrestled there as a postgrad twice. Okay. And that was, that was actually really fun just cause I, I love Midlands. I think it's a great, great tournament and I've always had success there. It would have been nice if nationals happened to fall on that weekend for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I know you talked about this defining moment earlier, and you and I kind of chatted a little bit beforehand. So, you know, your freshman year, you go out, you t- two and two at nationals. Your sophomore year, you come back, you're doing all the same stuff. I mean, you're just beating up good guys all throughout the season. Um, you go into nationals. I, I, I think, is this when you knocked off Sanders and Michael Martinez, both seated guys, to then face McDonough? Is that correct? Correct. Uh, you drop that the correct. you drop the bout to McDonough, you drop into the con season. I this is you know I, I'm just gonna let our listeners know. Um, I actually had to to text the coach here and ask me if I could had permission to bring this up. But um, so you're wrestling Trigus, <laughs> Nico Trigus from Ohio State in the the match to to become an All American. Um, my understanding is you you had multiple, you had you had a lot of success over Trigus throughout your career. You're winning the match. Yep. It's the third period. It's your choice. You choose to go down. You put Trigus in really, in my opinion, the only position he's good at. Obviously, it cost you that match. What was the process, the thought process, or the decision-making to, to, to go down at that time? Um, you know, I, I'm not even sure if there was really a, a thought process. Normally, you know, uh, the, the way that we were trained, we really didn't um, – you know, uh, tend to avoid positions, I'll say. So, you know, regardless of where a guy was good at, you know, we were trained to always think that no matter what, we were going to get that escape point. You know, if a guy was good on his feet, we were still going to be able to take him down. Um, you know, if a guy was really good at getting out on bottom, we are still going to be able to ride him, stuff like that, you know. And, and so it was reflective of our training, you know, and, and the mindset that we were, you know, built to have. And so when I got in the match, um, you know, it, it starts off like all of our other matches have gone. You know, one of my first big wins was Nico Trigas as a true freshman at the NC State. I think he was ranked like top 10 or 12 at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and and all of it, this one started out exact same way. Came out right away, got a takedown, boom. Um, you know, I'm rolling. And then the, the, the turning point and the difference maker in this match as opposed to the others is I think I'm up maybe six to three at the time. I'd gotten three takedowns. He actually took me down this match and that made it six to five. Uh And so now, now after that happened, he had rode me for a little bit and then we made the decision to go down in the third and it crossed my mind to really go neutral. Um, But, you know, at that point I looked over, my coaches were saying down, I sat and thought about it. I, 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 in my mind, I, I wanted to go neutral and I was like, you know what, I'm going to listen to my coaches. And so I went down. Uh, and I said, I'm going to figure it out. And that cost me maybe, but getting taken down in 
one of the four matches in that particular match that we've wrestled could have cost me as well. Yeah, you know, point. I allowed him to take me down in in this one particular match, whereas in our three previous matches that I won, uh, he hadn't taken me down. So, you know, you can you can put it on a, a bunch of different things, and it's it is something that I think about quite a bit. You know, and it's when I reflect on it. You know, sometimes you do have to respect certain guys' positions. You know, you got to make sure that you're not putting them in a position where they can spend, you know, a, a lot of the match in their dominant position. You know, yeah, um, if the guy's phenomenal on top, you know, now now when I look back at it, it's like, well, why would I give him, hand him an opportunity to start in his best position? possibly for two minutes right. in the third period when I could take neutral and now he's got to spend two minutes in my best position, you know, and, you know, looking at it from that standpoint, um, you know, I'm 19 years old at the time, you know, you don't necessarily think about it like you, like you do eight years later, you know? So, yeah. um, I, I think that that was a defining moment for me. I think that was a career changing moment. I think, if I handle that match a little bit differently and get through, I could be sitting here being a three time all American instead. You never know. For sure. You know, that 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 sets you up for, for following years and so forth and, you know, um get you in a little bit of a role. But um the funny thing was when we wrestled that uh I got a chance to wrestle him I think two years later and in Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg for a home duel. And I don't know if I've ever put as much focus and preparation into any one single match as I did this one. And I don't think, I don't think the coaches even said a word to me that entire day, just because every, every time we crossed paths there, and this came out later and it was a big joke we have now, they were like, we knew we'd have to say a word to you. We, every, every time we saw you that day, the look in your face, <laughs> you just, we knew you were ready. We knew you were ready. Yeah, I know. I so, were... and I and I wrestled him in Castle. Did not make that mistake twice. I bet you were waiting for that rematch. So let me ask oh, you this: for two years. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Coach. What did you learn that day in that defining moment as a wrestler that you are applying that that makes you a better coach today? Um, you know, I, I think just you know, a I think getting your athletes to trust your judgment. Um, is, is first and foremost, but I think, I think second thing that I learned that I apply right now is, is kind of what I touched on earlier is just, um, putting yourself in the, in, in the best position to win the match, you know, spending the most time where you're strongest to win the match, you know, and, and we saw it with one of our guys at nationals this year, um, at, at 133 with Cam Sakura. he's wrestling Jamal Morris from NC state. He is down. I want to say, by one point at the time and everyone knows Cam score is really good on top. Um, and this kid has ridden us a little bit. He's a long guy. He's got good grip. Um, you know, and so our thought process in the corner and as the last 20 seconds are ticking down the second period, we're like, we got to take top. He's like, not only can we ride this kid and erase that ride time, but we can also put ourselves in position to turn him. You know, we had trouble taking him down. We had been underneath, and we hadn't been too successful. The kid had a minute and a half of riding time, so we're like, hey, look, we got to take top. You know, and ultimately Cam chose to go underneath, you know, and that was almost a replay in my mind of what happened as far as, you know, when you look at it, that choice may or may not have cost him that match, you know. And so 
it's moments like that where we're like, hey, you got to take time. You, that, that is your best position. You got to give yourself two minutes right now to erase that riding time and potentially turn this guy because you've had trouble taking him down and your best position is going to be on top. So, hey, this is where we got to get after it, you know, and, and getting guys to buy into that mentality of, you know, just putting yourself where you're good often, often. You know, if you're a guy that's not that great on your feet, but you're really good on top, you got to try, you know, super hard to go get a takedown right away in that first period so you can spend the rest of the period on top. You know, stuff like that, you know. Um, if you're not good on the mat, make sure you're not down there rolling around with guys on the mat. You know, if you're good on your feet, you know, cut them. Come up to your feet. Trust your takedown game. So forth. You know, it's 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 that type of stuff of just making sure that guys are, are positioning themselves in the match to make sure that they don't get caught up in the match like I did when I got caught up and, and made a poor decision to go underneath a guy that was a great top wrestler, you know? So um, just stuff like that I, I, I look to employ and that's conversations. And I, it's good that I'm able to draw on my past experience and use those real life examples to get guys to understand that because that's what they understand more than just you talking. You know, if you can draw back on a real life example and even sometimes show them, um, you know, that, that pays way more dividends than, than just, uh, than just speaking to them in a, in a general sense. So kind of speaking of your past examples here, let's, let's talk a little bit about your senior year. You know, as it was your freshman, sophomore, junior year, you beat a number of all Americans. You beat people that at the NCAA tournament that ended up all American when you fell short, but your senior year, you finally break through, but you do it in a kind of an interesting way because you lost first round, didn't you? To uh, Parisi from App State. I did. Now that kid's kind of that kid's tough, but I mean, what were you thinking going into that match? Um, Parisi has been a guy that, for one reason or another, I don't know if it was his length. Um, you know, he was a really tall twenty five pounder, and I had wrestled him. I want to say three times, and uh, when we're when we're sitting there and the and the, we're watching the the selection show and the and the matchups are coming out. And I see that I got Parisi. I'm like, okay. I was like, this is a good match for me. I was like, I, I the the last time we had wrestled, he'd actually beat me by a defensive pin when I was winning the match. And so at the time, I was like, okay, this is great. I get to you know redeem myself and show that I would have won this match. You know, had the had the defensive pin not uh, occurred. And so uh, I'm going to the match and. I don't know if it was nerves that got to me or if I changed my preparation or I, I went in too worked up, but I went up and the match started and boom, he stung me like two or three times in a row and put me in a hole. And I'm down by, I want to say three points after the first period. And then I don't think I snapped out of it until probably 30 seconds or so into that second period when I went down, got my escape. And then as I'm just navigating the match, I just ran out of time, ended up losing, yeah. I think, like eight to seven, something like that, um, you know. And I actually remember that. Man, match. That's a... that was that was it. I was I was shocked. So because Brandon and I, we started going to NCAA's. I think that was our first year. No, that was our second year. I think, but um, where we started the trend to go to NCAA's. And I remember watching that match, and I I was stunned because I was like, this is the year for Gerard for sure. Hey, that's what I said. <laughs> hey Gerard, let me ask you. That's what I was saying. We we've had, we've been fortunate enough to talk to some other athletes that you know, had come up short for three years, let's, I'll put it that way, and then finally broke through that senior year. How much pressure did you have on yourself going into that national tournament your senior year? How much pressure were you putting on yourself 
or were you even, I mean, were you pretty relaxed? No, I wasn't relaxed at all. I was, uh, you know, and, and I never, I, necess- I, ne- I never necessarily believed in pressure. So I don't, I don't want to say I put pressure on myself. I think it was more so I was just nervous because I was nervous that I was going to be the guy that people talk about when they say, you know, one of the best guys to never all American, you know, I thought I was going to be like one of those guys, you know, put themselves in the round of 12, you know, multiple times and never be able to get through, you know, I was, I was more so afraid and nervous of, of what, um, you know, people were going to think about when they thought about my career or, you know, I was even thinking about future coaching opportunities. I'm like, man, I was like, you know, and maybe, maybe, unconsciously that is pressure when you think about it. You know, I was thinking, you know, when coaches look at it, I'm like, man, this kid didn't even all American. Like, why would I bring him in to coach? You know, that's stuff that I was thinking about. So you had a lot of stuff running through your head. I did. That's crazy. You get to be thinking about all that. (laughs) Yeah. It's silly when you're thinking about it. Cause I'm like, well, my career is over here, you know, in three days, you know, and, and I got, I know I want to coach and, coaches are probably going to start realistically reaching out to you, you know, by the middle of April, you know, after they give you a couple of weeks to come down from the national tournament. And that's, that's crazy stuff that I was thinking about, but it was only because I hadn't done it previously. And, and that's why, you know, had I had, I already had one, I probably would have gone in with my senior year and, and not been thinking about anything just besides going out and wrestling. But I had crazy thoughts going through my mind and, and maybe it, maybe it was just a lack of focus on my point of of going in, but I had I had my mind was going. Who'd you wrestle you know, in the but, blood round that year? Ooh, I wrestled my old nemesis, Matt Snyder. Okay, that's right, Matt Snyder. So what was yep. what, so you're saying? Was all this stuff going through your mind um, like right before that blood round match? It was. It was because I was wrestling a guy that I had never lost to. I. I've wrestled Matt Snyder probably eight times in college and hadn't lost to him one time before that match. And, and cra- the crazy thing was I had just watched my teammate who wrestled, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Jed Moore, I believe. Yeah. He wrestled, he had just wrestled him in the round of 16, who he's never lost to, and he lost to him. Ohio guy and so Jed it messed Moore. my mind up. It messed my mind up. And so... I was watching this match and I was like, okay, you know, and he was talking about the same thing. He was like, yeah, he was like, I got this match. He was like, I never, never lost to Jed Moore. And he had never lost to him in high school or in college, you know, so he had probably wrestled him 15, 16 times and never lost and then dropped that match. And I was like, oh, man. That's <laughs> I was like, that's a terrible time for that to happen, you know? Yeah, but you know what? You prevailed. You won that match. You became an All American. Um, and I think what, after that match, you ran into a uh, Nation? Nashawn Garrett? He beat another guy first. I had, I had, um, I think I had David Thorne after that. Okay, yeah. I think I had David Thorne, and then I had Garrett. Garrett. Talk to me about that Garrett match. I know you uh, mentioned that a little bit earlier. Man, that was, I probably, so me and Nashawn wrestled probably before people knew who Nashawn was. Um, I want to say it was, I want to say it was, Probably maybe my sophomore year, his true freshman year, um, he, we were rest, he was wrestling unattached like the Penn State Open, um, and I actually I, I beat him in overtime like eight to six in a in a crazy back and forth match, and um, you know and so we're wrestling at nationals, and me and Nation at this point we know each other pretty well, 
And, uh, you know, to my surprise, I'm actually beating him in the takedown game because it's, it's, you can look at us and you can see that we have similar styles on our feet, you know, and I was, I was betting him on our feet pretty good. And, uh, you know, I was rolling, I was super confident and we're getting to the third period. And I think I got overconfident <laughs> and it, I made the same mistake I did sophomore year. I put myself underneath mm. in, in this guy's best position. He's got a great Nation's got too. these. Oh my goodness, he's got these big mitts and they're strong. This man grabs <laughs> and I got these little tiny twenty-five pounder wrists, and he grabbed he grabbed my wrist, and I, you know, <laughs> couldn't get it back. And I think he, I think he actually turned me twice. I want to say, one one time he got me for three, and then he got me from my feet. I stood up, I was peeling wrist, oh, wrist no. exchanging, and he just happened to get it one time. And then kind of uh, sucks me back right Cross to my feet tail. Yep. and caught me for a quick two. Yeah. Why'd you go and down, so, man? And that doomed me. Why'd you go down on him? He's good. <laughs> that's what that's what I said after after the match. I was like, I actually broke my headphones after that match. But you know what? You, so I went to the. <laughs> you got your AA, which you know. I look. I looking at you. Looking at all you did in college. I mean, how many All Americans you beat? I understand that you know you probably don't feel like you were you had a successful career or that you had a successful as career as that you wanted. But you know what? The bottom line is you right. got on the podium, which is freaking awesome. Concur. Right. So let, let me. I want to ask you this because I was looking through some stuff. I, if I'm not mistaken, you you had the the pleasure of of wrestling um, Robles, correct? Oh goodness! Please, yes, I have. Tell me what that oh, was I like. Know about that, tell yeah. me. We want to know what that's like. It's not fun. It's not fun. You don't. Did I don't, you choose down on I, him too? I, I, I kid. I, I did. <laughs> I did. I don't know why. I don't know why I did this to myself. That guy I was like, maybe I thought anybody. I was on, uh, better on bottom than I was. <laughs> yeah. What is, you thought you were pretty. You thought you were pretty good on bottom. Huh? Hey, you're not. You, oh man. You're not running escape clinics at North Dakota State, are you? <laughs> You're, you're not teaching the stand-up, are you? I'm kidding. I kid. I kid. No, I'm serious. No, no I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm teaching. I'm teaching dressers elevator series instead. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> so, so seriously, what was it like wrestling Robles, man? I've never got to talk to somebody that actually was, wrestled him. It was awful. I'm not gonna lie. It was. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was very humbling. It was because I I came off the match, and I remember the first time I wrestled him at Vegas. And I came off the match and I told Coach Ruby, I said, I've never wrestled a match and had no idea what to do. Yeah. <laughs> never. Well, not, sure. not in one single college match, not one single high school match. Not even when I first started wrestling when I was in sixth grade. I was like, I've never had, you know, uh, no idea what to do in a match. And I was clueless. I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't know if I should go down to a knee, a three-point stance. I didn't know if I should just look for go-behinds or try and I – I didn't know what to do. You know, it's it's such a unique thing where you've never wrestled anyone like that before. And so you try and strategize and game plan and think about what to do. But once you get out there, it's really so different. Yeah. I you know, and, and he's adapted, you know, to wrestle his weakness into a strength. And he and he learned to do it so well oh, yeah. where it's hard to even I mean, even trying to hit go behind, you know, when he's sitting back on that one leg and he's still able to pivot it's still hard to even hit a go behind on him, you know? And so, you know, there was times where I was trying to like just sidestep, snake the leg. I was trying to flip over top of him. I was trying to go behind and you get frustrated because nothing's working. And then meanwhile, while you're getting frustrated, he darts in like a, like a Cobra right on your ankle 
you know, and it freezes you for a second, you know, and the more you know, you're underneath and this man's got your wrist and 30 seconds later, the match is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, what the heck happened? So, you know, and, I, and I had wrestled him actually twice at Vegas and he tech followed me both times. Yeah, well, he's pretty good on top from what I from what I've watched. <laughs> hey, so we want to get into yeah. ND, we want to get into NDSU, your coaching career, um, you know, in Fargo and things of that nature. But I do have one final question, at least from from a perspective of your career. Who is the toughest guy you ever wrestled? And you might have just answered that question. Oh, from a strategy standpoint, I would say it certainly is Robles. Uh, he was he was tough to game plan for. Um, you know, outside of that. My toughest matches probably came from a guy like Matt McDonough, yeah. um, who I wrestled quite a bit, um, and we had, and that was just that was just one of the Iowa guys that I happened to not be able to ever beat, you know. And uh, we had wrestled at Midlands and Nationals, and he was he was just tough, tough to wrestle with his length, and he had that nasty single leg that he would get, suck himself in, you know, and it's. He was, he had these nasty, heavy hands and, you know, I'd never got so tired wrestling any one person as I did wrestling McDonough. Like you were at, at some point or another, you always found yourself, you know, trying to catch an extra couple breaths on your way back to the center, just because the hand fight, it, it wears you out. It really does. For sure. You know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to say you, you feel bad for anybody that was ever a, you know, three-time finalist, two-time champ, but I don't think McDonough really gets the, the credit he truly, truly deserves for how great he actually was because of how his senior year, you know, how he finished out his career, you know, being injured and whatnot. That last memory that people think about, it's right. unfortunate too, but that's, that's just how people's minds work, you know? Well, his last loss was to a North Dakota State guy, Sprinkle, right? Yeah, yeah, Trent Sprinkle. He beat me that same year, fifth or sixth match, believe it or not. Man. All right, so let's transition. He was taking out everybody. <laughs> let's transition into coaching. Um, I, I asked you this when we were at World Team Trials talking. I want to ask you again so you can kind of put it on, on the pod. Tell me how Gerard Garnett goes from Delaware to Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> so... My family's originally from Pennsylvania. Um, they moved before I was born. So I'm the only one that's in my family that's actually from Delaware, um, which is unique in itself. I always tell them, I was like, hey, as good as I ended up being, if you'd have let me grow up in youth wrestling in Pennsylvania, <laughs> yeah. I'd have been so much better. Um, you know, so I grew up in Delaware, went to Virginia Tech, wrestled. Coach Warrensburg called me probably a month after nationals. Went out to uh, Bucknell, coached for a year. After that year, um, Pat Santoro was just losing Drew Headley to uh, to Pittsburgh. Uh, and oddly enough, probably a month before that happened, me and Pat were out um, at a clinic together. Um, and we were talking about, you know, different, uh, you know, wrestling topics and so forth. And I think he drew back on that when he looked at bringing me in and uh, ultimately made the move out to Lehigh. Um, that was both for coaching and for wrestling, which was great because right. I got to learn from Buxton. Yes. Um you know, being my coach as an athlete and then getting to wrestle with the LVAC athletes and then obviously learning from guys like Santoro and Hughes and Dylan, um, you know, from the from the coaching side, um, you know, and having them help me grow and so forth. But, you know, when I got the opportunity to 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 look to make a move, um, you know, it was it was good because I the funny thing is I actually passed up on the North Dakota State job first. 
and then they reopened it. And then I was like, well, maybe this is a sign. And so I jumped on it and it was something that got me out of my comfort zone. It put me in the Midwest where I'm unfamiliar. You know, you put me <laughs> on the East coast. I know tons of people, you know, up and down the coast, you know, it's simple, you know, you put me, you put me in the Midwest and I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm not used to this, you know, I'm not used to this way of life and, you know, and, and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, it, it, and it's been a great move for me. Uh, and I've loved it ever since and getting to know coach Kish and Manny, who was here at the time, who I knew from when he interviewed at uh, Virginia tech, my junior year, ultimately he ended up going to UVA, but then that's how he still got very familiar with me. And I think when they were looking for a true lightweight guy that they never had before, I think Manny Rivera was kind of the one that, uh, you know, put in a put in a good word there and helped this thing really develop and grow. And uh, so that's that's kind of the path. When I made the decision, I said, you know, I, I think this is where I'm going. And I usually always talk to my parents about everything, too. And I ran it past them. My sister had just moved to Colorado three months ago. And so they were like, our, our kids are crazy. They're trying to get away from us. They're moving all the way across the country, <laughs> you know? And so I packed up my, my Ram with as much as I could through the rest of the moving truck. And me and my dad drove across the country together, stopped halfway in Indiana and finished off the rest of the drive to, to Fargo. So it was actually a pretty fun experience through like a little father son road trip. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. And just from my perspective, I mean, what little I know you, 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 really seem like you legitimately enjoy being out at North Dakota State, which is very refreshing. It's very cool. Um, I mean, because you said Midwest. Let's just be honest. I mean, you're, you're closer to Canada than you are the Midwest, to be, in yeah, my I opinion. Yeah, I consider where we live Midwest. <laughs> North Dakota State is not Midwest. That is uh, that's out in the middle of nowhere. Right? That's middle of nowhere. Oh, man. Um, man. Wait a minute. <laughs> we're, only three, we're only three hours away from Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. The big city, I kinda, right? I, I, I just group it, group it in that same radius. There you of, go. Of Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> so shed some light on, 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 on for us and for, for the listeners out there. Talk to us about what it's like to, to coach at a school like North Dakota State, where they're located, and recruit for, for a school like North Dakota State. You know, it's, it's unique, man. It's, to be honest, I never thought – um, and I'm going to touch on the people first because I, I feel like that's very important. Uh, I, I never thought I was going to find a place that reminded me of Virginia Tech and Blacksburg because the thing that the thing that outside of wrestling that I liked about Blacksburg was the town revolved around the university. You know, and in Virginia they don't have uh, professional sports teams. In North Dakota they don't have professional sports teams, True. and so. You know, it, it's no secret that people see Virginia Tech as the premier university in Virginia, just like people see NDSU, the premier university in North Dakota. And so I feel like the, the support level, all the people that would be invested, uh, you know, in professional sports and maybe not college athletics, now they're all invested in college athletics. And that's what it revolves around, you know, and the Fargo-Moorhead area, you know, Moorhead just being right across the river five minutes away. You know, when you look at that, that's upwards of 150,000 people when you're talking about population. You know, so when people, you know, most people associate Fargo with, you know, maybe there's like 15 people there. That's just not true. <laughs> you know, right. it's, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, we're looking at six figures worth of people, you know, upwards of 150,000, like I said. And uh, they really rally around this university. And it's phenomenal. The amount of support that we have um, and this local community 
all they all they think about and all they want is successful college athletics programs, and that's the only thing that's on their mind from a sports perspective. Um, and these people are genuinely interested in what you do. You know, I probably know more people here at North Dakota State, you know, and and in this Fargo area, you know, than I probably met in Blacksburg in my first two years out of coaching combined. You know, it's, it's people are just generally that interested in what you're doing and what you have going on and really want to support you. You know, they have all kinds of different events, you know, with community outreach and they really want to get to know the athletes. It's, sure. it's a huge deal for them, you know, and, and, that, and that's probably one thing that I enjoy the most, you know, and, and when it comes to the recruiting, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Sure. But, you know, that's what I like. I like a, I like a challenge. And that's, and that's part of our job is, you know, making sure that people understand what we really have to offer. Because, you know, when you sit down and think about it, when people think about Fargo, they say, oh, well, what is there to do there? You know, and I ask them what it is that they like to do. And it's the simplest of things. Oh, well, I hang out with my friends, play video games. <laughs> I like to get out to the lake, you know, catch some sun, you know, go bowling. I mean, the simplest of things. I'm like, every place has that, you know? Right. Yeah. And so there's, (laughs) when you think about the area, you don't necessarily think about all that. I mean, there's golf courses, you got the mall. Yes, we do have a Walmart that might blow some minds there, but uh, you know, we got all kinds of lakes and, you know, different water sports. They're building a water park, you know, they're building some outlet malls, you know, it's, they got disc golf courses, they got bowling, you know, they got different rec centers. I mean, there's a lot to do if you just find the time to look and search for it. You know, it's not just smacking in the face. It's right there. It's on top of you. You know, you, you just got to find what you're interested in. And to be honest, there's, you know, I got everything I like to do back in Delaware and in Pennsylvania and in Virginia. I do those same things here. It's no different. And that's kind of the approach of what we take when we're talking to kids is, you know, we ask them what it is like they like to do first, you know, and then we take it from there, you know, and show them that we have all these things that they would be interested in that would be outside of their wrestling world. No, so that's a, that's a good base for kind of how you start the re- recruiting top talent. And I think that everybody can agree that, you know, wrestling is becoming more and more of an arms race than it, than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you just look out in your conference alone, you got Oklahoma State, you got Oklahoma, and you got uh, Iowa State, all all teams that are doing some pretty darn big things to, to build their programs. So give me your pitch. How are you going to recruit the top-level talent? I, you know, I'm talking, you know, how are you going to recruit a guy that's looking at Oklahoma State, OU, ISU, and NDSU? Those are his uh, four schools. What do you say to him that can get, the, get him there to North Dakota State? Right. So, you know, normally the, the approach that we, would, that we would start with is talking about the Big 12 you know, and that we're a big 12 school. And that's what typically, unless a kid is really looking at some of the top big 10 schools, that in itself sets us apart, you know, but, but now we're talking about everything is equal. It's equal, you know? Uh And so we draw on a lot of the things that we just talked about with that community support. And really this is one of those places where when you get here, then you figure it out, you know? And so, that's a part of the approach that we talk to kids about is you just got to give this place a chance, you know, and, and really once you get here and you meet the people and you talk with our athletic director, you know, and who was a wrestler 
and a coach, by the way. You know, Jack Mon, whose father, Bucky Mon, coached at the university. You know, Jack was a wrestler. Jack coached at Northern Colorado for years back when they were having tons of success. And now he's our direct sports administrator. And his boss, Matt Larson, both were at the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure any other program had their direct sports administrator and their head boss, director of athletics, at the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, and, and that's something that's unique for us, you know, and so that's a big deal. You know, that's what, and that's probably more so a parent type of pitch right there, you know, but I think what sets us apart, man, is just, you know, our individualized approach. You know, it's, it's hard to get in Fargo. It's, it's your focus, um, is your academics and your athletics. You know, we're not located in a big city where you get caught up doing a bunch of other things. You know, it's, it's much easier to focus on the things that you really need to be successful academically and athletically to set yourself up for even life after wrestling. You know, whether you're going to continue to compete internationally after after your collegiate season or whether you're going to go straight into the, the professional working world, um, you know. And I, I really think that we have unique people here. And like I said, they're genuinely interested in, in what you're doing and they support you. And you're not just another face in the crowd here you know, everyone stands out, you know, everyone knows who you are, you know, and, and we have a great alumni base that when we start talking about job placement, and I know a lot of kids don't necessarily think about that right away, but there's a lot that get to their fifth year and say, Hey man, I really wish I would have thought about that all along, you know, and we get our kids jobs, we get them internships and we get them real life experience because the reality of the situation is, is once you graduate, that's what employers want to see. They want to see the work experience, but it's hard to get that while you're wrestling. So, I mean, it's you not, know, and yeah. pe- no, it sounds like you guys do a ton yeah. for the kids. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. my, my question is you're going to do a ton for me in a bunch of different things, but can I be a national champ there? That's, you know, that's my question as a recruit as a top level recruit. Can I be a national champ at NDSU? Right. And, and my response and really all of our responses is, you know, if you have that capability, you can be a national champ anywhere. You know, if, if you're talking about winning national titles and, and you're saying yourself that you have that capability, if you really do, you can do that anywhere because because that 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 comes from within inside you. Not everyone is just, you know, born with the capability of, of being able to be a national champion, you know, one of 10 each year. True story. You know, and, and so if you're truly at that level to where you can really do that, that's a, that's a self-drive type of thing. You know, when you, when you talk about, you know, winning a national title, no one else goes out there and wins that national title for you. You know, there's only, there's only one person that won that national title. Now there may be some, there may be some people that helped you along the way, you know, but I don't think any college coach is incompetent. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have their job. Right. So, um, I mean, when, when you look at it, I think you win national title anywhere. And so I think for us, we've never had a national champion. So what I'm saying to kids is you can come here and you can be the first one. You know, you can, you can be one of many somewhere else. Sure, that's, that's also great, you know, to add to legacies. You know, or you can be the guy to do something different and step out of the mold and create the legacy. That's powerful. You know, you can be the first one. You can be the Cheryl Razor. You can be the one to go out there and you can have the statue outside of the uh, uh, of the uh, wrestling facility, that can be you. You know, you can be first. You can do something different. You know, a, a lot of people are afraid to necessarily 
step outside of the box and do something different. But you can't you can't tell me that Mark Hall couldn't have won a national title at a ton, and I do mean a ton of colleges. Correct. Right. Well, so, he barely he barely I mean, won one at Penn State. I mean, Bo Jordan had him. Beat. Come on now. Right. Ben's still salty. But yeah, <laughs> I'm an Ohio State fan. Come on, man. I, I forgot about that. Bad example, perhaps, to you, the Penn State guy. No. Maybe I should have <laughs> No, I, but all seriousness, you know, in all seriousness, I think I think you make a great point there. I mean, let's face it. You guys have a great coaching staff. You wrestle in a great wrestling conference. That's only going to get tougher because mm-hmm. you're adding new you, – because of the new yeah. schools that you've added. Um, right. You wrestle a great schedule. And I know you touched on this a little bit ago, the facilities. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are in the midst of – getting ready to, to, to build some really nice wrestling facilities out there, correct? Absolutely. You know, we we uh, just are finishing up our first year. It'll be a year in October in a $50 million facility that was privately fundraised. We didn't have to raise any student fees or anything like that. Um, it was all privately fundraised. And it is just basketball and wrestling that's in there. So it's Besides, I mean, besides having some of the other teams' locker rooms space in there, um, men's and women's basketball compete in there and wrestling compete in there. Men's and women's basketball practice facilities are in there, and then wrestling's practice facilities and locker rooms are in there. Nice. Um, and it's paid dividends for us because now, it, now when people walk up to North Dakota State and they walk into our facility, now it screams, this is a Big 12 institution. This is a, this is a Big 12 program, you know, when you walk in. You know, as as where before, you know, when the facilities were older and they were often in our place and then Oklahoma State and then ISU, you know, maybe maybe now it, it wasn't a level playing field. Now it is. You know, we have we have top notch facilities. And like you said, we do we do have great coaches. We have, you know, Roger Kish, who's wrestled for powerhouse Minnesota when their team was winning national titles and when he was wrestling in the national finals, you know, having. Yeah teammates and rubbing elbows you know with with guys that were national champions and being coached by guys that were national champions you know same thing with coach nagel you know he wrestled at minnesota as well i wrestled for national champion kevin dresser you you gain that knowledge you don't you don't necessarily have to be a national champion yourself or have been in the national championship finals to be able to coach a national champion it's all about the knowledge that you've gained and, and, and that time and effort you've put in to grow your wrestling mind. You know, some of the best coaches in, in the United States are not necessarily your most successful wrestlers, you know. And sure. what happens is when you look at the knowledge that they have, that's where it comes, you know. And sometimes kids may get blinded by, you know, uh, you know amount of national titles, but really it comes down to knowledge. How much can they teach you? Just because you're a national champion doesn't mean you can coach one. Just because you're a national champion doesn't mean you're, you could be a great college coach in general. You know, it's all about the knowledge that you've gained throughout your years of competition and coaching and how you can get other kids to be successful because you're going to have to now take, you know, 36 to 40 different wrestlers on your roster, you know, and try and all get them better and grow. Um, you know, not just your 10 starters, but the entire team because you want the entire team to be better. So they can help those 10 guys go win national titles when that time comes, you know, and you got to be able to do a bunch of different things, you know, outside of just teaching technique. Right. You know, that, 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 that day now is kind of gone, 
you know, when it comes down to be a successful coach, you have to do a lot of other things, you know, to, to have people say, Hey, you know, you're, you're super successful, you know? And I think between our schedule, you know, we wrestle a lot of the best. We wrestle Oklahoma state and Oklahoma and Iowa and you and I, you know, and we're, we're constantly looking for a bunch of the best programs to wrestle. Um, you know, we're, we're always down to wrestle anyone, you know, and you'll get better just through that process of competing, No doubt. you know, and then the staff and then the partners we're bringing in, you know, being able to build around certain guys, you know, the facilities you're going to be in. I mean, it's, we got a lot going on and it's, you really do. I, I, yeah. You know, and I, and I remember, I remember coming back from the real team trials after, you know, having the opportunity to talk to, to talk to you out there. And I, you know, I told Ben, I was like, man, you know, there's some good stuff going on out there, and they're, you know, I can tell from from Coach Garnett, they're really excited about what's going on. Um, at least I could tell from you that you were extremely excited about what's going on. You know, I remember when when Coach right. Kish took over the program, it was kind of uh, kind of like a pleasant surprise, I guess, in the eyes of many. And he's quietly gone about doing a a really good job over the years. And I say quietly because you just. I, to me, that just seems like Coach Kish's personality. Does he even have a Twitter account yet? Can we get <laughs> We're that? still working on that. We, we got to work on that. The funny thing is, he does have a Snapchat, though, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, I got to follow that. I think, his, I think his wife, Jess, set that up, though. So I'm not sure how much activity he gets, but he do, he does have a Snapchat. We are still working on that Twitter account. You got to get Jess involved. Get him. Get that Twitter account going. <laughs> <laughs> so... So talk. Who do we look out for? Tell me. We're getting we're getting a little long in time. We're not rushed by any means. Yep. So I don't think that. But yeah, North Dakota State. I think a lot of people got caught up in the excitement of South Dakota State last year. They were you know fortunate enough to have a mm-hmm. finalist. You know, people think that North Dakota State is down. It may have been considered a mm-hmm. down year by North Dakota State standards because let's go back a few. You know, the last few years before that, you were producing all Americans. Right. Who, who do we look out for this year? Who's the guy that's going to be a breakout guy for North Dakota State? You know, I think I think we got a couple. Name name, um, name more than know, one. Obviously. <laughs> oh, I certainly will. Um, you know, so obviously we got Cam Sakura, who I think is going to stand out right away, who I already talked about. Um, you know, he was in his redshirt freshman year, um, qualified for nationals, had a pretty good year, was – was hovering around that 19 or 20 range. Um, you know, he, he fixed his knee, so now we're healthy, which is good. You know, he, he wrestled with a little bit of a meniscus problem all throughout the season. Um, now that's fixed, and we don't have to worry about that. And I think now he's had some time to focus on the areas that he really needed to get stronger in, which was his wrestling strength, his forearms, his grip, you know, because he's a top wrestler, obviously, which everyone knows, you know, so he's had some time to focus on some non wrestling things because his technique is good. His wrestling mind is good. He just needs to maybe get a little bit more mentally tough and stronger. So I would, I would look for Cam Sakura to have a breakout year. The next guy I'm looking for is Andrew Fogarty, um, who again was, was in and out of the top 20 um, all year long, beat some top 20 kids along the way, had a great Midlands tournament. Um, you know, and I think he had another down uh, uh, national tournament. But again, this was his first year in the lineup. Uh, you know, he was just coming off of a, a pretty successful redshirt year. Um, that was his first time there. So I look for him to now have the experience and the confidence 
um, you know, to be able to go out there and be pretty successful. Um, and then I'm looking towards a guy like Paul Bianchi, um, who you got to see and watch I did, um, yeah. out at uh, trials. Um, and I think he had a much better Vegas uh, uh, junior tournament than he did uh, trials, but that's all right. You know, it's, it's all learning. It's all growing for him. And he's a guy, man, that really just works and he loves to learn. Um, comes from a great family of wrestling. And I look for him to step up into the lineup for the first time this year um, and have a, a pretty successful year. Cause he was another guy that went to Midlands as well and beat some older guys and some guys that had had pretty, you know, successful careers. Um, you know, so those are the three right away that I would say stand out right to me, uh, you know, besides the obvious of our older guys, you know, so. Well, it sounds like you guys got some studs, you know, that are going to be able to support the the team. It sounds like you got some younger guys and some guys that are going to be able to kind of be a nucleus for that squad next year. So we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, I really want to get your opinion on this. I think, you've, you know, you, I, you've talked about it on Twitter a little bit, but. You know, with Dresser and company leaving Virginia Tech and heading to uh, Iowa State, what's your personal opinion on this arms race going on right now? You know, I think for me, for me personally, and maybe, and maybe this is because you know we're not the Penn States or the Oklahoma States of the world um, who maybe not, may not be concerned about it. But you know, from our perspective, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, this changes a lot. You know, it's it's more of the, the rich continue to get richer type of thing. And when you look at an, an overall wrestling landscape perspective, I'm like, I don't know if this is really – obviously, it's helping them. But I don't know if it's helping the sport with where it's starting to go. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, and it's kind of a tough conversation because it's, it's, I'm, I'm thinking about – you know, so we, we take this and there's a bunch of pieces of that move with Iowa State that works out great. When you start talking about coaches contracts and that type of opportunity, yeah. you know, but then when you start getting to the RTCs, well, now it's like, well, how many programs with these RTCs can realistically keep up? You know, when you look at, uh, uh, you know, Iowa and they're hiring Mark Perry for their RTC, you look at Oklahoma, who's just gotten Eric Guerrero for their RTC. You know, you look at what Penn State's doing with theirs. Like, how many programs can realistically do that and survive? You know, who can keep that pace with that type of fundraising, you right. know, and survive? Or is it just going to be the same consistent, you know, five to seven programs that have it? You know, and you even look at Virginia Tech, and they're starting to gain ground with their RTC, and that was non-existent when I was there. You know, correct. But it's like, how many how many programs could do that, or how long would it take to have double-digit programs that can do it? You know, and I'm not even sure that we're there yet. So it's difficult. It, it, it makes things more challenging because it's it's almost like now if you don't have a successful RTC, now it's like kids are wanting to say, hey, you know, well, I'm just going to go here because of the RTC. Right. You know, because that's where their minds are thinking now with world and Olympic titles as opposed to NCAAs. You know, I think you make great points, coach. And, you know, you made a statement a couple of seconds ago or a couple of minutes ago about, you know, the rich continue to get richer. And I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. Um, but, you know, you were very hopeful that, in fact, North Dakota State was very close or very hopeful in landing um, a senior level guy such as, you know, it was Don Bradley coming out to, to Fargo to train there. And mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, the, you know, things did not fall that way. You know, he ended up going to Nebraska. We'll, we'll call it bad timing for North Dakota State. Yeah. Um, I just want to know what 
how much of an impact would a guy like Dominic Bradley, Dominic Bradley, have had on a program such as North Dakota State? And your oh, massive, and, and your massive club, massive impact, massive impact. I mean, Don Bradley has had no shortage of success, both NCAA wise, you know, international wise. Um, I mean, he's a what five five time world team member or something like that. Yeah, he's like five um, or six in a row. Know, it's crazy. Yeah, which is incredible, right? Um, you know, he could he could come in and right away. I mean, not only does he have uh, ties to his his home state of Missouri, which is a heavily recruited state for us, it is for our university. Um, but he has a lot of you know national ties as well, you know, and he knows a lot of people. So you know, you get that first domino to fall with a guy like that. Now, what big guy doesn't want to come and train here? You know, what what big guy wants to say no to coming to train with? You know, six-time world team member Don Bradley, you know, two-time All-American Don Bradley, you know, any 97 heavyweight you talk to, you know, that's a phenomenal thing, you know, and then and then you start using some of his other contacts. Now this helps us get some more kids from Missouri, some of the next studs coming out of Missouri, you know, maybe it helps us get, uh, you know, another senior level athlete that Dom is buddies with, you know, now we go in and we get, uh, you know, uh, another um, uh, guy for the, for the Bison RTC, you know, to come and train with us as well. And we can package the two together just because, you know, he wants to be here where his buddy Dom is, you know, and that's really how things work, you know, and to be honest, that would have, that would have been a game changer for us, you know, and it turned out to, to not work out in our favor because of some different timing things, but just even having that guy here and having him say, Hey, this is a serious consideration for me, you know, and having him say, Hey, you know, I love my visit here. I love my time here in Fargo. You do, you guys do have a great thing going, and to have him buy into our process, um, especially being an older guy, you know, and and having him tell other people how excited he was to to be here and see what we had to offer, you know, and then having it pay off, uh, you know, when he finally got here and realized like, hey, all these things these guys were saying, you know, they were right. I did just have to get here and give it a chance and uh, and, and see what they had, you know, yep, and but we're not going to stop there. We just, you know, now it's time to refocus and, you know, we're looking at some different guys now and, you know, hopefully we can get the next, uh, the next top level senior level athlete to make the move to Fargo, you know, and then at that point, it's see who else you can get and keep the train going. Yeah. I mean, I re- it really, in reality, that's all you, you, you got to move on. You got to go on to the next thing. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, I was, <laughs> when you told me that, that it was a possibility for you guys, you know, I was getting up, checking social media every day. I told Ben, I was really excited about it. was hoping <laughs> it would go through every time I'd get on Twitter, yeah. just hoping to see that announcement that, you know, that North Dakota state made that power move to bring in a top level guy. Um, unfortunately it didn't fall that way, but you know, and you know, move on to the next thing. Big things are coming. I'm sure. Coach, I got a question. I got, I, I got a question for you, Coach, and, and this is a serious. Oh, yeah. one. it's a serious one, and I want you to take some serious consideration to this. So, what's North Dakota uh, RT, RTC looking for? Because I'm 33 years old, you know, I'm on the wrong side of 170 pounds, and I wrestled 125 in college. But I'm thinking about making a comeback. I was a one-time national qualifier, went 0 and 2, almost had a match one. You know, I, I'm not sure if you and I wouldn't have been lined up together. I wouldn't have came out. Uh, is the winner in that match. But um, if I'm making a comeback, what do you think, Coach? You got some money for me? Uh, first of all, you if, know, if you and Ben wrestled, let me just throw this out there. Ben was not good on top, okay? So I think you would have been hey, okay. Hey, I wasn't bad on top. I wasn't bad on top. <laughs> you got some money for me, Coach? Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> oh, man, as long as he doesn't grab a wrist, we're good. <laughs> they ain't got no money for you. 
<laughs> All right, so <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, hey, you know, if we're if, if you're interested, hey, we can we can have a conversation. They do say they do say after you graduate, you do get better at wrestling. So it's very well possible now that you are twice as good as you once were. I've got to cut about fifty pounds and stop drinking so much beer. But after that, I might be good. If you don't mind, Coach, (laughs) if you could just do this favor for me, if we could at least just set a tryout for him, where he's got to come in and wrestle all the guys, I would love to watch. Yeah, bring Hayden Zilmer. He's about my weight. That'd be great. Zilmer's about my weight class. Me and him could scrap. You don't want to mess with him. No, he would put me on my. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't even want to. You don't want to wrestle that man for any longer than even thirty seconds. Hey, you ever wrestled him? Maybe fifteen. You ever wrestled him? I have actually. I've played. I've played around with Zilmer a little bit, and even play wrestling. He's really, really strong. Oh yeah, he's he's an animal, dude. Really, really, really strong, and his play wrestling is a little bit different than my version of play wrestling. <laughs> this, I've this guy, especially now that he's put on even more weight since he uh, since he left North Dakota State. I mean, he's probably gained a solid ten, twelve pounds, and I think it's been all muscle. Yeah, and true story, I was looking at some old Fargo results, and I'm pretty sure that he was in a weight class at, in Fargo uh, one year. He was in the same weight class as Freddie Rodriguez, the, the 125-pounder oh, really? for <laughs> SIUE. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Hayden was a cadet 84 or 88, something like that. Yeah, yeah way yep. back when. So, so speaking of Fargo. little guy. So speaking of Fargo, I, you know, I, I want to get your opinion on this, and we can kind of wrap things up, you know, with, with this question here. But a lot, a lot of rumors. Obviously, the tournament that happens in Fargo Nationals, it's it's a contract year. There's a lot of rumors that it may leave the city. There was the article that was written regarding yeah. the whole beef with USA Wrestling, Rudis, all that kind of stuff. But what are your thoughts on this? Do you do you anticipate this tournament leaving? I mean, is this real? To be honest, I, I really don't anticipate it leaving. I mean, it the tournament works so well here. It does. So well here. The community loves having the tournament. This is marked on their calendars every single year. They know exactly what they need to do. They know exactly how they need to accommodate. They're really, uh, uh, you know, they have great relationships with the team leaders uh, of the, of the States. And so when they come in, they have all kinds of things that they help accommodate for and getting meals for the teams and so forth. The hotels do a great job. Um, you know, obviously, uh, NDSU, you know, helps out a lot and they have the, the conventions bureau that, that, uh, you know, aids and helping out with the events and, you know, it, it runs so smoothly and it's clockwork for us to do it. You know, and even though it seems like a lot of effort on the front end, it's really just, you know, we got the system. The system works for us. And every single year we get to a certain point in the calendar and boom, off we go. Everyone has their jobs and it it works great, you know, and, you know, you you look to move it and it's like, well, how do you got to start over? Are you taking a risk? You know, what do you call it? What do kids associate it with now? It's like. Kids don't call it the A6 Vaughn Cadet and Junior Marine National Tournament. They, yeah. they just don't. You know, they, they, they call it Fargo or Fargo Nationals. You know, I live in Fargo now, and I still call it Fargo. Yeah. And people are like, well, why do you call it that? You live here. Why don't you just call it Nationals? <laughs> like, I don't know. This is what I've always called it. <laughs> it's been like that for a long time, ever since I competed back in, like, 2005. You know? And so um, there's I – don't, I don't really see it moving – um, to be honest, and, and I'm not sure what's going to happen, 
but uh, I, I do know it sounds like Louisville is bidding pretty hard for it, um, you know. And I think it's maybe it's, it's the first time I think they've but had they don't a, even have a wrestling bid. team. No, they don't have a wrestling thing. team close to it. <laughs> you know, and it's like doesn't make well, sense. What do you well, think? It, it, you know, it's 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 the same thing people talk about with NCAA's. You know, it's like people don't want to move NCAA's to a non wrestling talent. Yeah, that's you know, right. And I see Fargo to us is St. Louis to NCAA's. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing. It's like it keeps going back to St. Louis because it's successful. They know exactly what they get. And really, if they wanted to have it in St. Louis every single year, they probably could because yeah, that's absolutely. where they have the most success with it. It's the most consistent. Completely. You know, agree. and I, that's kind of how I see Fargo. What do you what do you think about that drama between Rudis and Nike and uh, or USA Wrestling? Give me a little bit of your uh, oh, insight into that. Goodness. I want I want to hear about it. Tell me about it. Goodness gracious! So I'm dri- I'm driving uh, I'm driving down 19th, and that's where the Burger King is, and that's where the parking lot where Rudis was set up. <laughs> and I'm literally driving. I see this tent going up, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what this is. Like I thought it was some like event Burger King was maybe having, um, <laughs> you know. Just with just with the just with the tournament being in town, you know, and so I pull around to check it out, and I see all these like clothing racks like starting to go up, and Uh-oh. I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, maybe like USA is setting up like a separate booth outside because that gets a lot of traffic because there's two hotels on that side of the street. There's Subway, there's there's Burger King, there's a CVS, um, Buffalo Wild Wings, Applebee's. There's all kinds of stuff. We're going to be getting foot traffic, and then I see the rudest stuff, and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> because obviously I was aware of the thing with Nike. And so I, I get, I get back to my truck cause I'll head uh, somewhere else to help set up the mat. No, like, this isn't going to be good. This is not going to be good. And so uh, I don't know. I don't, that, that, uh, that threw a huge wrench in things. I didn't even realize that that was as big of a thing as it was until later on when it was brought up. I just thought I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, if they're outside and not in the dome, that's probably for a reason. Cause even though they're getting some traffic outside, obviously you're gonna get the most traffic in the dome, right. which is most important, you know? And so it, then it comes out later that there's this whole thing going on. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, I understand it. But I'm like, man, I'm like, the first thing that came to my mind is like, who owns this Burger King and where is he located at? How can we find this guy? <laughs> because I don't understand why you would even do that in the first place when you get all the business from the tournament for sure as it is for sure you know there's there's almost no reason for you to do that you know and i don't i don't understand how the whole the exclusivity deals and and so forth work you know it it used to be where you used to have multiple vendors at tournaments and so forth but i think most big events are starting to go away from that um you know but obviously a lot of wrestlers associate with nike and they associate with Rudis now, who's starting to make a breakout, and they associate with Adidas. And I think Rudis is trying to implement themselves in that conversation of, you know, what kids talk about when they talk about Nike and Adidas. Right. Um, it's it's that simple for them. And you can't necessarily blame them for that, but I also know at the same time that they're going to follow the wrestling. Right. So, it, I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't get much simpler than that. So, I don't think it came out that that might be a reason why they move it, but I really don't think that that's why that, that, that wouldn't make sense because then Ruiz is, like I said, they're going to follow the wrestling. I agree. Completely which makes sense you. because they, they are a business. So much easier wherever you go. 
yeah, right. No, I, I, you know, so totally agree with you there, coach. I mean, my thing is, is, and I'm kind of a cynic anyway, admittedly, but if, (laughs) if they move that tournament and they use the, the, the rudest excuse, I'm going to, I'm going to call foul on that. You know, I don't, I don't think that would be the reason they would move that. But I hope they don't move it. I know it, it, like you said, it runs great in Fargo. It's great for Fargo, North Dakota's economy. It's just, it, it's mm-hmm. one of those things when you when you think of you know cadet and junior nationals, you, you think of Fargo. I mean, it's just kind of uh, right. synonymous with it. So, thanks for providing your uh, your input on that. Yeah, exactly. So that's about all the questions that we got for you. You got any last words? Anything you want to throw out there? Uh, you know, just keep a lookout for Bison Wrestling. We got a great schedule this year. I'm working on one more date. I got 15 and 16 dates filled. Um, so keep a lookout for that because, uh, you know, we're entering into into some two-year contracts with some teams. That's going to be really exciting. So not only are we going to go some exciting places, some different places we've never been before and touch into a lot of different conferences to get some different uh, looks, uh, but then we're also going to have the opportunity – with these contracts to bring a lot of these teams back to Fargo and have an even more exciting, uh, 18, 19 home slate, uh, for the upcoming year. So that will be dropping soon as well as our season tickets will be. And it's an exciting time to be, uh, associated with some bison wrestling. So sweet. Hey, uh, are you guys going to be, um, competing at whatever the inaugural, whatever it is, those South beach duels. Are you guys in that this year? Yes, we are. Nice. Yes, we are. Nice. nice. That'd be a nice yeah. That'd be a nice trip for you. That's yes, awesome. indeed. Yes, indeed. It's actually going to be pretty nice because we'll we actually are going to be competing that following week at West Virginia at Pittsburgh, and so we're just going to get a chance to stay out there and then fly to to West Virginia and Pitt and do those duels. And Rob Cole is going to put together like a little uh, training camp, so to say, for the teams that opt to stay after the event is over, which will be pretty unique. Oh, that'll be awesome. Those aren't too far from us. Yeah, we might might have to make a little road trip to get out there and see you guys. So I'm still thinking about flying I up to Fargo. I want to see some duels. I want to. I want to see Fargo in February. See see what it's like for some duels up there. <laughs> I might go to. Pittsburgh. I tell you what, we won't we won't be tailgating like we were last November. So. I bet. <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, thanks a lot for everything. Thanks for coming on. We had a great time with thanks, this. Um, hope we get to do it again. And best of luck to you and the the North Dakota State wrestling team this year. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Awesome. We'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. All right, guys, so there you have it. Coach Gerard Garnett from North Dakota State University. What a fun interview, he, man. What, and what a good dude. He's so cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. To, really, like, what a cool dude, nice guy. Uh, you know, as I said, I felt so fortunate to get to kind of hang out with him, pick his brains at the real team trials, him and one of the other North Dakota State guys, Nick McGee. Just good guys all around, such a passion for the sport and for the program. North Dakota State looks like, you know, they're in, they're heading in the right direction, and I, and I wouldn't just say that. They really do. And when you got Roger Kish at the helm and a guy like Gerard Garnett, you know, one of your assistant coaches, you're doing good things. You know, they. I think people – you're always just, you know, what's in the front of your mind is what's happened most recently. Sure. And, you know, this past year was probably, you know, a down year and by their terms. But before that, I mean, they produced some really good wrestlers between, you know, you're looking at Hayden Zilmer and Stephen Monk and Curtis Juleson and, you know, multiple others. I think we talked about Trent Sprinkle. Yeah. Um, they're guys they're doing good things, man. So it'll be interesting to see how they finish in the Big 12 this year. What did you think? Anything else? Not Nothing else, man. It was a fun time. All right. Well, there you have it. Episode number 33 with assistant coach Gerard Garnett. Hope you enjoyed it. That's all we got for you. And as always, don't wind up on your back, bro.